Today we're starting a brand new series entitled Better Together. Better Together. And as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about some things that are better together. I was thinking about some food duos that are better together. They're okay alone, but they're really better together. And so as I mention them, I'm going to invite you to help me finish them if you know. And so we're going to do this together. Here we go. Number one, here's a famous duo that goes together, burgers and fries. Number two, bacon and eggs. Number three, arroz y frijoles. Arroz y frijoles. Number four, spaghetti and? Number five, peanut butter and? Jelly. But only the strawberry jelly, because strawberry jelly is better than grape jelly. Don't at me. I know. Strawberry's better. Chicken and waffles. And my favorite food duo of all time is mac and cheese. I love me some mac and cheese. Macaroni by itself is okay. Cheese is okay. But when you put those two together, they are better together. They belong together. I was thinking about how this applies to us as believers. We are better together. In fact, that's one of our core values here at Westover. We are better together because we belong together. What we see in the word of God is constantly this need for unity, this invitation to connect We as a faith family are created to be together, to belong together. And so I've titled my message today, You Belong Here. You Belong Here. And I just invite you to tuck that in your heart and realize that you belong here. Turn to someone and say, you belong here. You belong here. In life, sometimes we can do life alone, but life is better together. In fact... When, when we look at the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, the first problem in creation was that Adam was all alone. Loneliness was the first problem in humanity, and it's still a problem today. But God is inviting us to connect to other believers and to discover that life truly is better together. For you see, all of us, we have a God-given need to be seen, needed, and known. To be seen, needed, and known. God created that within us. He created us not only to be connected to him, but also to to be connected to one another. And one of our goals here at Westover is to help you understand that you are seen, you are needed and known, not only by God, but also by us. And we're just here to say, you belong here. You belong here in this family. You belong in the family of God. And we just invite you to connect with us and discover that we are better together. Don't do life alone. I want to invite you to join me in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at a passage together because there were some challenges in the early church. Some of the challenges that the first century church faced are some of the same difficulties and struggles that we face in the 21st century church. They faced moments where their voices were silenced. They were persecuted for their faith. Their faith was marginalized. Some were even put to death because they had a faith in Jesus Christ. But the way they made it through a difficult season is they discovered two things. Number one, that God was for them and with them. And number two, that they had each other. If we have got God with us and we have each other, we can make it through any difficulty that the world and the enemy can throw at us. Whatever disappointment, whatever struggle, we belong together. God's here to help us. Because in life, we're really better together. 
So I want to invite you to join me in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. In this passage, we're going to discover some ways that we can advance, the ways that we can find community together. Let's look together. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What I see in this passage are a couple practical tips about how we can have a better life, how we can discover the power of connection, how we can discover that we truly belong and that we're better together. So here are some tips. Here are three steps that we can take to really discover the power of connection. Number one, build faith friendships. Build faith friendships. In life, friendships make life better. If you ever had a time where you've been alone, you've been in a place, it doesn't matter how good the job is, it doesn't matter how good the amenities are, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation by yourself, you may be in the most beautiful place, but if you're all alone, there's no one to share it with, you feel like something is missing. Friendships make life better, but faith friendships make life even better. Why? Because in friendships, it's a two-person relationship. But when you have a faith friendship, it's a three-person relationship. It's you, the other person, with Jesus at the center. It's a two-for-one deal. When you have a faith friendship, you have someone who's there to encourage you. But you also have Jesus Christ who's there to encourage you as well. And here's what you'll discover if you, if you have a faith friendship. is You'll discover that they'll celebrate you when you win. They'll love you when you struggle. They'll love you when life is hard. And they'll challenge you when your faith is weak. We all need people who are there to come alongside us who are there to help us, who are there to motivate us to be the best we can be. And that's what you'll discover when you have a faith friend. And so if you don't have a faith friend yet, I want you to put that in your heart as a goal between now and the end of the year that you discover someone who's a fellow believer that you can connect with, that you can grow with, that you can do life with because life is better with a faith friend. And this is what verses 24 and 25 highlight. Look together. And this is what it says. And let us consider... Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What he's saying here is that faith community happens through intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. We have to decide how we're going to do life together. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us today is he's saying, get in the habit of meeting together. Because meeting together is a habit and not meeting together is also a habit. And what he's saying is don't be like some other folks who have gotten out of the habit of meeting together. We must be willing to say we're going to commit to meeting together. Now this word meeting together just doesn't mean any old gathering. It actually means it's the word for synagogue. It's the word for church. It's the idea that we come together as Christ followers to lift up the name of Jesus. So we can do that not only in a church service, but we can also do it uh, when we're together with fellow believers at lunch and we're talking about the goodness and the faithfulness of God, what it means is that we must meet together with the express purpose of encouraging one, of it, one another, motivating one another to become more like Jesus. I've discovered over time that faith is a habit. Faith is not only a belief, but it's also a habit. We must choose to make faith a habit and a priority. For you see, faith habits reveal faith priorities. So I invite you right now to just evaluate the priorities in your life. Is faith a priority? 
Or is it a secondary concept in your life, a secondary priority? I've discovered over time that we make time for what's really important. If you're married, you make time for your spouse. If you've got kids, you make time for your kids. If you have a job, you're employed, you make time for your job. And if you're a sports fan, you make time for your sports team. Now, some of you, you find the team that you're cheering for, it's a productive use of time. But if you're like me and you're a Cowboys fan, you're just hoping that this is the year. Maybe, maybe this is the year. Maybe it's a good use of time. Come on, Dak. We need to win it this time. The truth is, is in life, we make time for the things that are truly important. I want to invite you to make faith a priority. Make meeting together a priority. For you see, when we make time for church, it makes a difference in our life. Coming to church is a lot like working out. Sometimes you don't feel like coming, but once you're here and you've left, you feel better for doing it. We need to make sure that faith is a priority in our life. This is what the writer is saying here. He's saying, and let us consider not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I say this to people often. Show me your faith habits and I'll show you your faith future. Whatever your faith habits are today will determine what your faith future is tomorrow and the next day and next month and next year. I've talked to parents and I'm not throwing shade at any parents, but I've talked to some parents who came when their kids were in elementary school and then they stopped coming. And then they come back to church when their kids are teenagers and they're saying, what do we do? We're struggling. We're having a hard time. And I encourage them to start right where they're at and to continue to come to church. But I can look back at the moment and the struggles that they're having today. Some of them could have been solved if they'd been willing to keep their kids in church for you see, our priorities become their priorities. If church is unnecessary for us, it will become irrelevant for them. We must be willing to make faith a priority. So here are three quick habits to grow your faith and to grow your faith friendships. Number one, grow your relationship with Jesus every day. Do something every day where you lean into that relationship. Our first faith friendship is with Jesus. I can tell how my day is going to go based on the quality of my connection with Jesus in the morning. The most important conversation that I can have at all during any day is with Jesus. And I've discovered that if my conversation with Jesus was good and I was truly connected to him, the rest of my day goes good. But if I don't, my day doesn't go as it should. The second thing that we can do, second habit, second thing that we can do to grow our faith and our faith friendships is to connect with faith friends during the week. Find a way to connect with other believers. Find a way to connect with them, whether it's during a lunch meeting or a, a breakfast. Maybe you gather with your life group. Use, the, work, use the, the life group experience that we create at the end of our Westover app to encourage each other, to lean into your relationship with Jesus and each other. Maybe it's just meeting with two or three coworkers who are... Uh, who are believers in just sharing what God is doing in your life. Connecting with faith friends during the week is important. And then come to as many church services as you can. Come to as many church services as you can. Why? Because you're always going to be encouraged. What we as staff do is we pray and we say, God, won't you move? Every service is important. 
Every service is important to God. And because it's important to God, it's also important to us. And so we craft an experience to help you encounter the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want you to discover him today. Don't leave here the same way you came. Lean into this experience, but also do it over time. For you see, our faith habits today determine our faith future tomorrow. The second step to discover the power of connection and to really lean into relationships is to live and love well. Say it with me. Live and love well. In life, we can either live and love well or we can live and love poorly. The word of God's inviting us to live and love well because the way we live in love is a reflection of the work of Jesus Christ in our life. The way we live in love either amplifies who Jesus is or it diminishes the testimony of who he is in our life. We must commit to living and loving well. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. What I love about this passage, what really motivates me and encourages me, is the fact that I see that God is a Spurs fan. He doesn't say, let's rocket one another towards love and good deeds. So to all my rocket fans... The Spurs family invites you. We're better together. Join us. God's a Spurs fan. Yeah. What the writers here are saying is that we must collectively decide how we're going to do life together. We all have buy-in, church. This is our family. This is our church family. Now, some of us, we didn't get to choose our family growing up. In fact, none of us did. And whether you've had a good family experience or a challenging family experience, I want to just remind you that you can choose your faith family. And I just believe that what we have going on here is wonderful, that we have a great faith family here, but it involves all of us to lean into, and lean into connection and to lean into relationship. God is inviting us to collectively decide how we're going to do life together. You've heard it said that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village, all of us, to build a life-giving faith family. I just want to invite you to lean into it. Don't just come to church and then leave. Lean into community because what we get from this community is dependent on what we give, how we invest, how we make this a priority. Don't do life alone. Let's do it together. Let me give you the JMV, the John Musset version. I've looked at the original text, and I want to give just a little more clarity. I'm being faithful to the original text, but I want to give a little more clarity to help us understand what the writer is saying here. He's saying this, and we must together decide how we are going to spur, which means motivate and compel one another towards love and good deeds. We've got to decide collectively. What are we going to do? Are we going to be passive Are we going to be active? Are we going to spur and compel and motivate in a positive way? For you see, what we do in our relationships with one another, it either moves people away or it motivates them closer to Jesus. We must decide how we're going to do life together because how we live in love motivates other people. How we live in love motivates people. It either motivates people and moves people closer to Jesus and to us or it motivates and moves them further away from us in Jesus Christ. We must decide how we're going to live and love well. And sometimes it requires us to challenge one another. 
All of you have heard that passage that iron sharpens iron. What that means is that sometimes in faith relationships, we've got to be willing to have uh, engaging conversations with one another. I know those of you who are married, you have those iron sharpen iron conversations. All of you who are married, the husbands know you've got a wife who's willing to sharpen steel with you. But what you discover is that when that happens, that interchange happens, both of you end up sharper than you were before. God's inviting us to motivate one another, to compel one another, to challenge one another to be better. I was thinking about some ways to live and love well. I want to share with you just a handful of ways to live well and then a handful of ways to love well. Here are three ways to live well. Number one, if you want to live well, live in a way that motivates others. Number one, keep your word. Keep your word. If you say it, then be willing to do it. Commit. Go all in. Even if it costs you. If you're not sure you can keep the commitment, then don't make the commitment. But once you make the commitment, commit to it all the way. It may cost you, but if you do it, it'll build confidence in you. And also build confidence in the Jesus that you serve. Number two, to live well, under-promise and over-deliver. Under-promise and over-deliver. People are looking at our life and seeing if we're people that actually reflect Jesus. We need to under-promise and over-deliver. If you have a deadline, set the deadline for two weeks out and finish it in a week. If you make a commitment, say, I can do this, and then exceed it. Be willing to under-promise and over-deliver. And number three, celebrate and challenge your friends. Celebrate and challenge your friends. When your friends win, celebrate them. Say, hey, you did a great job. I'm proud of you. Keep moving forward. But also be willing to challenge your friends. Some of you, you have a coworker who is a Christian. If you notice that they stop playing worship music at their workstation, just come over and just say, hey, I really loved it when you played worship music. I hope you can play it again. If you have a friend that has been coming to church but hasn't been coming in a while, check in on them and say, hey, we miss you at church or we miss you at life group. If you notice that a friend was willing to pray at lunch but no longer does that, be willing to say, hey, when you pray it, at lunchtime, it really encourages my heart. I hope that you continue to do that. We need to be willing to challenge one another. And students, I just want to challenge you. Young adults, be willing to let your faith be on display. Be willing to pray for your food. Be willing to take your Bible to work. Be willing to allow your testimony to be open and in front of everybody. People need to see the good works of God in your life, and then they will glorify the Father that's in heaven. We must be willing to challenge our friends. Here are three ways to live well. And I have three statements for you, and I'm going to unpack each one to really love well. See it, say it, and show it. See it, say it, and show it. If you see a need, number one, if you see a need, then meet the need. If you see a need, then meet the need. If your wife needs help bringing in the groceries, help her out. If your kids need help with their homework, help them out. If your husband needs help cutting the lawn, then help him out. If a friend needs help moving something, then help them out. If a coworker needs help with a project and you can help them, then help them out. That's the way we're able to motivate people towards love and good deeds. Number two, say it. We need to tell people that we love them. We need to tell the people that we love that we love them. 
We need to tell them that we love them while we have the moment. The Bible tells us that no day is promised to anyone. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. The next moment is not promised to anyone. So we must be willing to tell the people that we love that we love them. And so guys, if you want to tell the lady in your life that you love them, the best way to tell them that you love them is to say, I love you, and to say it out loud. You actually have to say it. You just can't think it. She can't read your mind. You must be willing to say it out loud. And ladies, if you want to share I love you with the man in your life, it sounds a little different. It sounds like this. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I'm behind you. I'm for you. But all of us, we need to tell the people that we love that we love them. And so guys, I, I, know, I know it's challenging to tell other guys in your life that you appreciate them, but be willing to tell them that you're proud of them, that you believe in them, that you're behind them, that you're for them. Your encouragement can make a difference. In fact, I got a text message from a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine. He sent me some encouragement today. And in there he said, I love you. I'm praying that God would work in the church today. I said, thank you. Love you too. I was willing to share that with him. I invite you to do that. Tell the people that you love that you love them while you have them with you. And number three, be willing to show it. We show love to the people that we love by showing up. We show love to the people that we love by showing up. I recently heard Bob Goff. He's an author. He wrote a book called Love Does. It's a great way how to show love to other people. And he showed me something that I want to encourage you with today. He says, be where your feet are. The way we show up is by being where our feet are. And this is what he does. He says, whenever I'm distracted, I am willing to be where my feet are. He says, I move my feet. And I say, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Give people the present of your presence. Give them the present of your presence. Be willing to be present in the moment and show up. That's how we show love. And when we live and love well, it motivates people. It motivates them to live and love well. When we live and love well, it motivates them to live and love well as well. Another way to show it is to be a Frisbee friend. To be a Frisbee friend. When you play Frisbee, it takes two people. You ever try to play Frisbee by yourself? Sometimes you throw it and sometimes you're able to catch it, but most of the time it goes off and you can't catch it. It takes two people. The thing about Frisbee is that Frisbee is kind of challenging. Why? Because the Frisbee doesn't always fly straight. When you play Frisbee, you need two people who are committed to the process regardless of what comes. Whether the Frisbee flies smoothly or whether it goes sideways. We all need people in life who are there committed to us regardless of what happens. Because sometimes in life, life goes smoothly, but sometimes it goes sideways. And we need people who are there to help us celebrate when we catch life and life goes well, but are also there to pick up the pieces when life falls apart. All of us, we need a Frisbee friend. We need someone who's willing to catch it. And so CJ, this is for you, buddy. We need people who are committed to catching life for us, even when it goes well and sometimes when it falls apart. We all need a Frisbee friend. And so today as I close, I want to invite you to stand with me. Set aside whatever's in your hand, whatever distraction that you're facing today. I want to offer you the third way to discover the power of connection it's this, give your friends your very best. 
Give your friends your very best. Give them the time, attention, and focus they deserve. The people that we love the most deserve our very best. Friends, if our coworkers and social media are getting the best of who we are, we're missing it. Or you see, the order in life, I want to suggest this to you. If you want your life to really work, our first priority is Jesus. And then it's our spouse if we're married. Then it's our family. Then it's our faith friends. And then it's everything else. You want your life to work, give the people you love the most your very best. One of the ways to do that is through encouragement. Verses 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider the habit of encouraging one another. Encouragement is a habit. It's a personal decision. It's a decision to say, I'm going to encourage someone today. Someone in your life needs encouragement from you. And if you're willing to commit to being an encouraging person, you'll discover that your relationships will improve. Also, you'll discover that God will smile upon you when you encourage someone else. We're living out Jesus in a practical way with other people. So I want to invite you to commit to encourage someone else. For you see encouragement, it's free to give, but it's priceless to receive. doesn't cost us anything to say, hey, I believe in you. Hey, you can do this. Hey, I know you're going in the hospital, but I'm praying for you. Hey, I know you're recovering from that procedure, but I'm praying for you. Hey, I know that you've lost your job, but I'm praying that your application's going. I'm praying that you find the right job. Be willing to encourage the people around you. There's someone in your life who needs to be encouraged. And so I want to take a moment, and I just want to encourage all of you, church family, whether you're here in the room or you're online, just been sensing in my heart how I can encourage you. I want to start by saying God loves you and we love you too and you belong here. You belong to a faith family but more importantly, God wants you to belong to his faith family to be part of the body of Christ. He loves you. He's for you. And I've been sensing that some of you, you feel like you've been playing Frisbee by yourself and you're wondering why life isn't working. It's because you're doing it alone. You're doing it alone. You don't have a faith friend, but most importantly, you don't have Jesus in your life. And God's inviting us into a relationship where we're connected to him, but also to other believers who are there to help us in the exchange of life. Whether life goes smoothly or it falls apart, we all need people. We need Jesus and we need other people who are there to encourage us. So I just want to encourage you. You belong here. God is inviting you today to be part of his faith family. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be part of his, his faith family today. I don't want you to leave without knowing who he is. Yes, being part of Westover is great, but what's most important is you being a part of the family of God. Fortunately, saying yes to Jesus and being part of his family is as clear as ABC. It's A, admitting that you need Jesus. B, it's believing that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead to forgive your sins and to give you a new life. And see, confessing him as Lord and Savior of your life. I don't want this moment to pass without giving you the opportunity. No day is promised to anyone. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. So I want to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're here today and you've never made a faith decision to follow Jesus and you'd like to belong to the family of God, on the count of three, I invite you to raise your hand. 
One, two, three. Raise your hand. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Sir, up in the balcony. Yes, yes. The Lord sees you. So I'm going to invite all of us to say this prayer together. Say it from our heart. It's not about the words that we say. It's about how we say it from our heart. I want to invite you to say it from your heart. Say, Jesus, we need you. We want to belong to your family. We believe you died for us to forgive our sins. So I ask you right now, forgive my sins and make me new. Be the Lord of my life. I need you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you said that today, welcome to the family of God. God has a purpose for you. But I also want to make mention that we want you to be part of the faith family. And so what we're doing today is we're actually dismissing a little bit early. We're doing it intentionally to give you some time to connect. Our kids and our students are going to dismiss at the hour moment. And we're just going to invite you to use the time to connect with other believers. Use the time to, to connect with a friend you haven't connected with in a while. Maybe make a new faith friend. And if you're brand new or you want to find a faith friend, I invite you to join my wife and I and some of our team at Guest Central. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better and help you discover a faith friend. And finally, finally we have Frisbees. As you leave today, if you need a Frisbee and you want to find a Frisbee friend, I invite you to take a Frisbee as you head out. And also, if you've made a faith decision today, I just invite you to text New Life to the number on the screen. We want to encourage you in your walk of, of faith. It's been a delight to have you here today for our series, Better Together. God bless you, and we're dismissed.